I'm just going to read out that you can come up here if you want, Fred. Like, you know, I'm not real scary at the moment. Um, not at youth groups, so I'm not scary. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> the Bible reading today is from um, or where, where Fred is going to be speaking from is from Matthew 21, 1 to 11. So I'm actually going to read it out just for something different. Um, so it's called the triumphant entry and Fred's called the message the triumphant entry. Fancy that. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus saw two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied with a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, then you'll say, the Lord needs them. And he'll send them at once. That's pretty cool, eh? The Lord needs them. Righto, off you go. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet back in the day, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. Very obedient little lads. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their put on them their cloaks and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the ground and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is Jesus the prophet from Nazareth. Of Galilee. Thanks so much, Heather. Let's give her a big hand clap. <laughs> oh, she has a lot of passion, energy, very enthusiastic. Um, before we pray, I'd like just to take the opportunity to thank Heather and the team and the worship team for wonderful, wonderful leading us this morning. Thank you so much. And also for leading the youth. Um, my goodness, I didn't even know the Rob you can act. <laughs> we are looking forward for episode two next season. <laughs> so please keep those things. Uh, we'll try and talk to Sony so whether they can sponsor you guys for a movie one of these days. And but thanks so much for wonderful. Let's give them a big hand clap this morning. Thanks so much. <laughs> For those who have committed themselves to support our young people in uh, Tkerang Baptist Church, let us pray. Our dear and Father, loving God, we thank you. Lord, you're so grateful. Lord, we thank you for this Passion Week. That there's so much that happened during that week, Father, as you made your journey towards crucifixion, Lord. And today we are here to celebrate the victories and the joys and, and the love you showed for us, oh God. Today, even as I share your message, I pray, Lord, may you lead us, may you guide us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'd like to take this opportunity to, to welcome those that are here for the first time, or you've been away in a long, long time. How many of us have, this is your first time to worship with us? We don't have visitors today. Oh, there's somebody there. Oh, wow. 
Let's give them a hand clap. We have somebody, please. You're not excited about visitors. <laughs> Thank you for choosing to worship with us this morning. And uh, you're most welcome at the end of this service to join us for a cup of tea or coffee. And uh, we'll be able to have a chat and catch up at the end of the service. Uh, my name is Fred uh, Mugambi, and my wife is Jan Nancy. Uh, we are blessed. We have two boys. And uh, we thank God that you're able to, to come and share with us this morning. If you brought your Bible this morning, I would like you to turn your Bible to the book of Matthew, I'm sure. And, and thank you, Heather, for reading for us. Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21 from verse 1. I'm not going to read it again, but I'm going to highlight some of the things that are picked from this scripture, but we'll look at it at some point during that time. My focus this morning will be about the entry of our, of our Lord Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. A popular known as the, triumph, the, the triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And this journey, for most of us who have read through the Gospels, it's, it was in an easy journey. But if you look at the events that took place toward the crucifixion, it was discouraging, it was painful to go through it. But yet you find Jesus through this journey, she did so much, he did so much towards this journey. So today as you observe and celebrate that special day on our Christian calendar known as Palm Sunday, Christians across the world celebrate this day annually, observed on a Sunday before Easter. Many churches around the world, this day is celebrated as Palm Sunday. And as for so many churches, this week will be Passion Week with so many activities throughout the week toward Easter. And this celebration commemorates Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem, mentioned in each of the four Gospels, as you can see there. To show you that this day is special, as mentioned in the Gospels. According to Matthew chapter 20, verse 18 to 20, Jesus entered Jerusalem knowing that he would be tried, crucified, and welcomed his fate to raise from the grave and save us from sin. I was trying to picture myself that I know, I know that this journey in the next few days, my journey is going to end. I don't know how many of us, if you knew that, that you still smile on your face. A friend of mine just two years ago, probably three years ago, 
he woke up one morning and uh, he had collapsed very early in the morning somewhere and fortunately somebody saw it organized an ambulance and they rushed him to the hospital and when he got the hospital he was given the sad news by the doctor that you not make it this is himself telling me that he went and i mean he met his wife and she had all the passwords passwords to the things that he had never shared the wife you know those secret accounts that you have that you've not told your spouse that extra account in the bank that you've never mentioned you talk about it because you not be there anymore and have i did everything the password to the phone the password to every detail after two days the doctor told him you are a very very lucky man you not die you live and you're shocked because you're told you not make it the reason i'm sharing this story is to let you know that to give you the picture of what christ jesus was going through at that particular stage of his life in john chapter 11 when we see the plot to kill jesus after raising lazarus back to life and john 12 gives us an overview of some of the events that took place prior to this triumphal entry to jerusalem And in chapter 12:9 to 13 John tells us that a large cr- crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came not only because of him but also to see Lazarus whom he had raised from the dead. So you can imagine this is this place is full of activities. As most of us can remember that Jesus and a lot of people were headed to Jerusalem they were going for the feast and around that time there were so many people and a lot of people who were there according to John most of these people had had the story about Lazarus in chapter 11 or being raised from death this is the big story in town this guy had raised somebody f- from the grave after 3 days and this person is alive you can actually shake their hands i'm not sure that you've seen i've seen only on tv that people have come back from death only their friends running away from them i've seen on the news that somebody came back from death and when went back home even the family ran away it's unreal it's untrue because everybody thinking you're a ghost because you've come back and this guy is alive and everybody is excited they want to actually shake his hand and see him but we know that not everybody was happy the other group was plotting to kill Jesus plus Lazarus the miracle boy
Because the Roman Empire was scared. This guy is becoming too popular for us. We cannot contain this guy. He's too popular. Every person is talking about Jesus in town. He brought somebody to life. So the news, according to John, the news has gone round that this guy is in town. The new kid on the block is in town. And people are ready for more miracles in that particular time. It says in verse 10, so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. On account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. This guy is mobilizing crowds. People are following him. And the Pharisees and their delegations are getting nervous. They're getting scared. Verse 12 says, the next day, the great crowd that had come for the festival heard that Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. They took palm branches and went out and met, to meet him, shouting, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. Tell me if that was not a threat to the Roman Empire and the Jewish community that they are running the religious community in Jerusalem. There's this new guy, a son of Joseph, a carpenter, that has become so famous in town that has created a revolution. You know, for them it was more like a revolution to kind of conquer this empire. Roman Empire, and every young person, not every, but most of the young people in town, women and, and men, they're chasing behind these people, and they're saying, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the king of Israel. If you and I did that even here in Australia, you'd be charged for treason. For trying and planning to overthrow the government, the Labour government. I just speak it from where I had read, read earlier. As you think about the events that surround Jerusalem, because now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the mountain of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go into the village in front of you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a cold with her and tie them and bring them to me. This is not even somebody who is saying, excuse me. This is somebody speaking now with authority, with power. He's, just, he's not just the son of David. He's saying, go, I've asked you, go to that place and untie that and bring it to me. And if anybody asks you, if anyone says to you that you shall say the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. 
saying that, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey and a colt and a foal of, of a beast of a burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on their colt. And he sat on them, and most of the crowd spread the cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Tell me if you are not looking for battle or war in the Roman Empire. That this new hero in town, everybody's chasing them. Everybody has now cut these branches. They put them on the road for him. And everybody's singing about his name. If you're not looking for trouble or to be arrested. But this guy is not scared. Because he knows what will happen. He knows what will happen after that. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This time is not the same son of David, son of Joseph. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse 11 says, and the crowd say, this is a prophet, Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. My question today, as we look at this, why was this significant for Jesus? Why did he risk his life and risk everything to do this. And as we discuss that, as we go through this scripture to this morning, I want to encourage us that when God has called you to do something, He's God. The challenges we are facing today as a church, as a community, they're going to be bigger than the challenges we faced 10 years ago. The challenges the church is going to face today, they're going to be bigger than the challenges the church faced 20 years ago, 10 years ago. The reason I'm saying this, that God is not looking for people that will be nervous and scared. God is not looking for people that will doubt. God is not looking for people that will shy away from saying what he should be said. God is looking for people that will listen to him and obey what he's saying. He saw Moses after walking in the wilderness for 40 years. He told Moses, my servant, you're growing old and I know you've done a lot for me. But the next journey that is going to take these children of Israel from here to the land of Canaan, you will need a Caleb and a 
Who? Who was with Caleb to the promised land? Hello? Joshua. I wanted to know whether the guys are awake. <laughs> God told Moses that this journey is not for you, Moses. You've done a lot for me. You've done the Ten Commandments with me. You've walked with me so many places. But I think the next journey that you're going to take is going to take people that are going to stand in the gap like Caleb and Joshua to the next level. And church, you're going to choose whether you're going to be Moses and come to a place and say, I've done my bit. I've had enough. Or you're going to be a Caleb and Joshua and stand in the gap and cross to the next promised land. It's very scary. Probably if I was Moses, I'd be crying. I can only see the land across, but I can't cross there in tears. After everything you put in your journey, are you going to watch others cross and you're staying behind there? Because I told you, and I'm going to tell you today, that the church this season is going to have bigger challenges than the challenges the church had 10 years ago. You know those days when you grew up, church was everything at home. Even at school, it was church. The Bibles were everywhere at home. In my primary school, we had devotion from the Bible every morning when we went to the assembly. We had devotions and prayer in a government school and both public and government schools. It's no longer there. It's going to take Caleb and Joshua, people that are standing in the gap and say that are going to do it. I was asking myself if, if Christ was commanding me to walk into one of your farms and take two of your donkeys away, will I do it? How many of us have animals here in your farm? You guys, Brandon, if I walked to your farm and I took two of your animals, <laughs> how do you feel? <laughs> That's good. Not many of you. But I'm just thinking myself, if you ask me to walk in any of somebody's farm today and grab two of those animals, I'm not sure they'll do it. I don't know. I'm just saying the truth that deep in me, my heart, I'm like, God, I love you, but I don't think I'm happy. I'm ready to do it today. I'm not sure. But Christ is looking for those people that he says, go and grab for me those two donkeys. And if anybody asks them, tell, tell that person the Lord needs them now. And they say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, sir. The first thing we see in, the sto in this story is that Jesus made this triumphal entry into Jerusalem to make public his claim to be the Messiah and the King of Israel in fulfillment of the Old Testament prophecy. 
this is a declaration. He's no longer scared of saying, you know, I'm just a son of Joseph. Whatever you think he's saying, here I am, the king. I am the person that the scripture talks about. And I'm here to fulfill that prophecy today. And Matthew in his gospel declares that the, coming, the king coming on a fall of a donkey was an exact fulfillment of Zechariah 9 verse 9, which says that rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem, see your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey. Jesus fulfilled more than 300 individual prophecies. You can go and Google. I think there are over 300, close to 400 prophecies in the Bible. The probability of one man fulfilling more than 300 prophecies must be a number beyond any of us. It must be something none of us can comprehend. But one of those prophecies was Messiah to enter Jerusalem on a donkey. That was one of the prophecies that was fulfilled on this particular day. And you can see the four Gospels confirm that fulfillment for us. But even Jesus fulfilling the prophecy. Jesus doing everything and risking his life. We still have millions and millions of people that have never believed. They're living in doubt. They're not sure or they're scared even to accept the message of Jesus Christ. And I want to challenge each of us today that if the Kariah spoke this word so many years ago, and Jesus himself came into Jerusalem without fear to proclaim that he is a fulfillment of this prophecy, who are we to stand and say we can't even believe and trust this message? I want to challenge you, I want to encourage you. Because your children, your grandchildren are going to challenge you. Who is this Jesus? Your friends are going to challenge you. Who is this Jesus? Your neighbor is going to challenge you. Who is this Jesus? I want to tell you today that this is the one that was called. Who publicly stood risking his own life to declare publicly to the people that I am the one that this prophecy declared about. Without fear. And without being shy to say it. Even in the middle of the Roman Empire. That armed soldiers. That who are, will do anything to guard their territory. To protect their territory. To protect their empire. 
This man stood and declared, I am the one the Bible talks about. The second thing I want to give you today, this triumph entry was, was to signify his humility. His humility was marked by the response from the crowd. Verse 9. And the crowd that went before him and that that followed him were shouting Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Friends, everything Jesus did gave credit to his father. And as I mentioned last week, prayer changes our view about God. When you understand that he provides, he heals, he cares for you, your approach to prayer changes. There is a way today our society is struggling with prayer because our view about God has never changed. Our mind about God has never changed. But as a church, as a society, when you change your mind, when you start to look at God as a father, when you change your mind and look at God, the one who cares for us, when we start to see God as the one who provides for me, when we see God as the one who heals and takes care of me, your prayer will change. Because prayer will give you a different mindset. Jesus was so humble. Even the miracles he did, the things he did, he still rode on a donkey. I'm not sure whether you can picture that. A king on a donkey. Because horses was the in thing of the society. And that's my second point, that the second thing about his military was the means to enter Jerusalem. You know, in some churches today, pastors are flying with the private jets to get to forums. A lot of mega churches, I can't tell you because I know some of them, just log into Google and ask the 10 most richest preachers in the world. You see them. None of them is driving a Toyota, this small Toyota that you're driving. <laughs> These guys are living in palace. I mean, it's good to live in a palace. It's good to drive. But I'm saying, you know, if you do it and give glory to God, it's important. But sometimes we, we allow the things we own, we allow the things we do to be our identity in us. You know, sometimes you, you want the things you put on Facebook to people to identify you with those things you put on Facebook. Because you're looking for a thousand likes. Hello?
I remember we lived in Townsville for the first time they brought the, the shop of Maya. We had never seen Maya in Townsville and they brought Maya in Townsville. And you could tell who wants to shop at Maya because Kmart became a shop for certain people and Maya was for certain people because you want to carry yourself a label. Hello? I tell people, it's good to have material, it's good to have money, it's good to have a good house, but if those things define who you are, if your job defines you, if your career defines you, if your relationship defines you, those things can come to an end, and one day you find yourself with nothing. Are you going to lose your identity because everything has gone away? Fashion can be a form of ugliness. What was fashion 10 years ago sometime is no longer fashion today. The shoes you bought $500 from Maya 2020, sometime even you put it on Facebook for $50, nobody wants to buy them. Because it's no longer fashion. Hello? Let's humble ourselves before God. Jesus had everything to exalt himself. Hello, I've just risen, raised somebody from the grave. If I did that, I'd be getting 20 invitations in a week to go and preach in certain churches. People be looking for me, come and speak because you raised somebody from the grave. But Jesus never took upon himself. He gave credit to God. Even when people shouted, he gave credit to God. Even when he knew that he's going to the cross to die, he gave credit to God. Even when he stood and did miracles, he gave credit to God. If you read in John towards chapter end of chapter 12, he gives the parable of grain. He says, unless the grain dies and goes to the ground and comes up again. That's humility. You're going to take away your pride yourself and bury it for Christ to be alive in us. Friends, I want to encourage us, church, unless we take Christ in us, let the things that define us, whether it's money, work, whatever you carry that define you, even your ministry can define you in a church unless you bury them, unless Christ become alive in you and I, our mission is useless in this world. Many times when horses are mentioned in the Bible, they portray pride and power and wealth. At the times, horses are mentioned in relationship to kings and war, while donkeys are mentioned in relationship to common people. In Africa, we use donkeys for places where we don't have transport. 
people cannot afford transport. They use donkeys to ferry water and other things from different places. It's a sign of poverty in those places because they cannot afford cars. That's how we use donkeys in some parts of Africa. Oh, my thing is hanging here. Hello? It's called technology. No? <laughs> Give me the next slide. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, the, 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 the last thing I want to share with us before we go home today is, and I've talked a bit of it, his triumph entry signified servanthood. And this was shown by his attitude. And like I've said, I'm not sure what donkeys represent in your culture. In many cultures, donkeys were used for agriculture and trade. And donkeys were used to portray what put in the biblical works as symbols of not just humility, but of service, suffering, and peace. Like I've said, in many parts of Africa, donkeys were used for serving people, either carrying them or luggage or sometimes just flying the farm. And for Jesus on this particular day, he wanted to identify with the needy people, hungry people, isolated people, people that were oppressed by the Roman Empire. As I finish today, as I finish I want to tell you, many people held and praised Jesus as the king who comes in the name of the Lord. As he rode to the temple where he taught the people, healed them, and drove out money changers and merchants who had made his father's house a den of robbers. Unfortunately, the praises or the praise that was poured out on Jesus by most of these people was not because they recognized him as their savior from sin. They welcomed him out of their desire for Masonic deliverance. Someone who led them in a revolt against Rome. I want to tell you today, you know, sometimes we cry Jesus. We cry Hosanna for him. We lift up our my sister said, uh, Pam <laughs> lives up like this, praising him. But sometimes we praise him because of the things he gives us, not because of who we are. These people are singing Hosanna. These people are shouting Hosanna. These people are putting with their clothes outside, I mean on the floor for him. Most of these people were looking for somebody to deliver them from the Romani. Oppressors who were torturing them, who had occupied their land. That's what they're looking for. It was not about their sin. It was about their freedom from the oppressors. And it's very easy for many of us as Christians. We come to Christ because of the things we get from Christ. We come to Christ because of the things that we want to get from him. We come to Christ because of but it's not about us, it's about him and who is for us.
There are many who, though they did not believe in Christ as a savior, nevertheless hoped that perhaps he would be to them a great temporal deliverer. And these are the ones who held him as king with their many hosannas, recognizing him as the son of David who came in the name of the Lord. I cannot stand here and judge these people because I know many times I've done the same. And sometimes when my needs have not been met, I complain. I feel furious. When my friends have left me, I feel furious. Let me tell you one thing. You know, people will not tell you. But pastoral work, sometimes you can be very lonely. You can be lonely. Because as you go up there as a pastor, you know, sometimes it's an assumption that people think that everything for you is okay. You're praying for people. But sometimes as pastors, we need people to stand with us and pray with us and support us. Even buy us coffee. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, it's amazing. These guys were, were shouting Hosanna, some of them were praising Hosanna, but they were not shouting because of sin. They were shouting Hosanna because of the oppressor, because of the Roman Empire, that they wanted somebody who can deliver them. And they say that, however, when he failed the expectations, when he refused to lead them into a massive revolt against the Roman oppressors, the crowd quickly turned on him. Within just a few days, the Hosannas would change to cries of crucify him. And that's what we do. That's what we do sometimes. Those who held him as heroes would soon reject him. And abandon him. And you think about your own journey. Do you come to Christ because of the things you want to receive from him? Do you come to Christ because of what you want to get from him? Will you come to Christ because of who he is? As a redeemer for you and I. As the one who wants to deliver us from sin. And help us to stand in the presence of God. I want to invite Heather and the team to come back and I want you to stand up this morning. That as you stand up, um, let me just read this last portion. Can you give me the last? Uh... Yep, thank you. Do you feel like your expectations have been failed when we don't, is, don't see Christ? I mean, when we don't see Christ through his mission, we see him through our own expectations. Let's stand up, please. Let's stand up. Let's stand on our feet. And I want you to take a moment today. I want you to think about your own journey and ask yourself, what is it that brings me to worship him? What is it that makes me worship him? What is it that makes me come to 
stand here on every Sunday to lift up my hands and worship him. Father, I thank you today for your love for us. Lord, I thank you because many times we come to you because of the many things that you want you to do for us. The many times we come to you because of the many things that we want you to do. And Lord, today we cannot stand here and condemn these people because some of them were disappointed when their expectations were not met. But we want to stand here and ask for your forgiveness. Lord, may you forgive us, Lord, that as we come before you, we'll come to you as our Father. We come to you as our Redeemer, as our Counselor, as our Savior, as a King of Kings who came to deliver us, O oh God. That as we think about the crucifixion, as we think about the cross, we'll think about our sin, oh God. And today I want to pray for those that are here that have never even called on your name, Hosanna. I pray, God, that may you help them to call on that name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.